Well, welcome to our show. Uh, my name is Rob Lewis. This is the uh, Spiritist Law Happy Hour Show. And with me today, I have my partner, Nico Romano. Unfortunately, Marbet Lewis could not be with us today. So uh, we are kind of piloting the show without her uh, for a change. So this is season two, episode four of our Happy Hour podcast. I'm uh, proud to announce that we have a very special guest, uh, Jessica, and I'd like for you to introduce yourself to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. My name is Jessica. I am with Galel Family Properties. We are a family-owned development company who specializes in commercial development in South Florida, um, especially food halls. Well, that is fantastic. Food halls are exciting. <laughs> they certainly are. Um, and that is a growing trend, you know, in the alcohol, in, in the hospitality industry right now uh, is food halls. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind their surge in popularity. I know food halls have been around for a while, but it seems post-pandemic, uh, it, it's really coming back with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. Jessica, why don't you give us an idea as to why you think that is? So post-pandemic, as it comes back with the vengeance, I think people are looking for something different in the market as they're looking for something different in almost everything. Uh, the, the communities have shifted in almost every category across the board. So in terms of food halls, um, it's interesting because you would think post-pandemic, um, people would be more inclined to uh, look for something more private or more secluded in terms of dining or as they go out. I think instead, because of the lack of a community that we've had over the past two years, um, there's an influx of that search for it currently. I see. No, all good comments. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, what do you think some of the benefits are regarding new operators, you know, maybe successful restaurateurs from out of state, um, you know, coming in and, and thinking about a food hall to showcase uh, their their new menus or their uh, their cuisine from different states. What, what are your thoughts about about that? And what are the benefits, I should really say, for a new operator wanting to affiliate themselves with a food hall as opposed to maybe looking at their own bricks and mortar location? Mm -hmm. So there is benefits across the board for everyone involved in a food hall industry from operator to vendor to bar owner to customer alike. Uh, we'll start with the operator themselves, um, as that's what I consider myself. So as an operator, we function um, sort of like a landlord where we have in our food hall called the bite eatery we have 10 different units or vendor spaces within those vendor spaces we have leases and a restaurant or chef comes in and they lease one of those spaces for us um we will continue to hold ownership of the bar and apply for a 4COP license. The benefit we have with that, with holding the ownership of, of the bar and also um, leasing out the units, is that we qualify for that 4COP, which if your listeners aren't aware, a 4COP license is a license that you have to qualify and have 51% food sales to 49% alcohol sales, alcohol sales, as long as some other requirements along in there. Um, and 
And holding that license uh, gives us the opportunity to have a more affordable option to provide liquor sales to the public that we serve. Um, in terms of the vendors and restaurant owners or anyone looking for that type of opportunity, the difference with us and why it's more beneficial to go with a food hall type operation for them is because their costs are significantly lower than opening their own independent brick and mortar. And that's because the costs are shared among the tenants. So between 10 minute, 10 tenants, you share the common area maintenance fees, as well as you're not paying for full, um, full development of your unit with inside. Um, and you're sharing the cost in terms of silverware, entertainment, everything of that source is a shared cost. So it is ex it is much lower. <laughs> it's much better to join one of those um, type concepts because not only are the costs shared and significantly lower, but you, in our example, are getting 10 times the uh, exposure because you have 10 people promoting themselves, which in turn promote each other. That's fantastic. You know, I mean, that sounds really advantageous for a new operator to go in there. And, and certainly it seems like with the, you know, some of the, the shortages on, on supplies and ingredients uh, that a lot of restaurateurs are dealing with post-pandemic, you know, it seems like a, a really economic way to get into business without having to cover some of the, the long-term transactional costs to open up your own restaurant, it sounds like. Now, it really, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, what, you know, so where did you, when you opened up your, when in deciding to um, where to place your um, food hall, um, what, uh, what, what sort of, what draw you, what drew you to your current location? And by the way, wh where is that? So our location is located in Pompano Beach on Atlantic Boulevard. It's about a seven minute walk to the beach right over the bridge on the intercoastal side. Uh, we uh, uh, bought the property with just plans to subdivide it and lease it out as a normal developer. Um, we got extremely lucky with the location. And based on the location, we decided to pivot and do this new type of concept of a food hall thinking that Pompano would be the perfect place for it. Our location is the perfect, perfect place for it. There is extreme amount of development in our city in particular. So um, with the rise of the development within the past five years and the coming five years, um, that, that is going to accept, that's going to grow not only the businesses within the food hall, but ours ourselves. And when we decide to expand, we can take those businesses that have signed leases with us and expand with them. So, um, Pompano is the perfect location, perfect place to start. And then, uh, after we open this one and continue, we are planning to tackle South Florida and then hopefully the rest of the state. Wow, Excellent. that sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. I have a question just um, from an operating perspective. So sure. is the the 10 restaurant tours that lease in your food hall, do they is there one kitchen or, or does each unit have their own kitchen? Like, how does it work? Yes. Let me explain the outlet. I'll uh, the layout a little bit. I apologize. So 
I like to explain it, for lack of better terms, um, similar to a food court. Now, in a food court, you think of Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, you know. Our food hall has a similar layout where you have the perimeter is different small kitchens, about 400 square feet each. And then the center is common area seating. The difference with us is that obviously we're not going to have national brands like McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or anything like that. All of our tenants are um, either chefs or people who originally had a food truck and now they wanted to move into brick and mortar or they um, have another location and wanted to open one in Pompano. We have different stories. Um, but that's how I like to explain it. And then we also have the center bar as well, which you don't have in a mall with full liquor available. I got you. So is the center, so do you control the center bar and yeah. patrons have access to that or like, how, how does that work? So if I'm one of your tenants, am I actually selling the alcohol or is it just you're selling the alcohol? Like, how does that work? So we are holding ownership of the bar. Um, we are the only ones allowed to sell the alcohol. And that is obviously with a liquor license. We can't have multiple liquor license to one property. So we are going to hold the liquor license and hold the bar um, ownership as well. Um, then the tenants are not allowed to carry liquor, but they what we're doing and something that's different with other food halls is that each of our tenants um, are working closely with our bar manager and they're creating special menu items for each of their foods. So our food hall, um, we have a non-competition clause in our agreements. Each menu is totally different. So we don't have two items are there is not two items alike on a menu. Um, so for example, we have a ceviche unit. They will recommend what they think would pair best with their food, with our bar manager, and she'll make a special cocktail. Um, if so, if a customer goes and buys food from them, they go ahead and recommend the cocktail. The customer goes to the bar and orders the cocktail. That's, that's very interesting. I, just a follow-up question, because I, I find this fascinating. So as a patron in your food hall, I can go to your bar and I can order a drink. Can I move around with it inside the building to the different venues? So like if I want to take it with me and, and eat food from, you know, tenant one, I could take it to tenant two. How, how does that work? Yep. So because we have a common area seating, um, the liquor license is across our property. So the bar holds liquor license, but it also carries on to the seating and everything of that such. Um, you can sit wherever you'd like. You can. We actually also have QR codes on the table. I like to say we we have an almost full service restaurant. So you can go ahead, walk in, sit down, scan your QR code and order everything like there and it's brought to you. Um, along with your food, you can even order, say your wife wants pizza, your son wants tacos, and you want a burger, you can order it all on the same tab as well as your liquor and it'll all arrive to your table. That's fantastic. That sounds like a great place to eat as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to keep it very, um, I come from a big family, a lot of kids. We wanted to keep it very family oriented because when all 21 of us, for example, uh, try to go out, you know, it's, it's a mess. Everything want, everyone wants something different and no one can decide. And then <laughs> it's a, it, it's chaos. So we decided to um, fix that problem by providing a service like this. That's great. That, that sounds like a typical Friday night at my house, actually. 
Um, so it's great to know that there are venues out there where, you know, you can kind of satisfy everybody's needs in the family all at one stop shopping. So that's, I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) It was just a dream until now, actually. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit more about the uh, the, the real estate behind it? Um, as far as I know, we sort of looked, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, what drew you to this location, but more uh, maybe, you know, what are the benefits of uh, or maybe even challenges that you face um, with uh, with this location, with either with tenants, with your build out? Um, you know, maybe what are some of the lessons you've learned? Um, maybe something that uh, some le- is some uh, words of advice for uh uh, for for people that are going to be uh, you know starting their own food halls, so it is a huge learning curve. This is our first food hall development, and we are learning a lot. Let's just start with that. Um, the pandemic has faced its own challenges um, as well, including supply chain of that such. So I don't know if these are going to continue to be challenges as we go into the future. I see them as they are, but um, that's something to be aware of for everyone. We have been delayed for about six months for supply chains issues. Um, We're waiting for electrical boxes. So we actually received them a few weeks ago, but it's just one of the challenges. And on top of that, um, we have tenants to manage. So all these people are waiting for open to start making their income, to start cooking their food. And they're, they've been so patient with us. We have great tenants where we have great relationships. We're like a family. Uh, but that's definitely something to keep in mind as you go forward. Um, that COVID does building of having a big development COVID faces a lot of challenges with it even though we're almost in this post-COVID life now we're still seeing those challenges carry over from there and those challenges have a chain reaction so we're suffering but also 10 other companies are suffering because of it Mm -hmm. um and that's something the management of the tenants and, and their happiness is very important to keep them happy to keep them um waiting and patient uh so that's something that needs to be aware for anyone interested in doing this is tenant management is very important and a top priority Um, another thing that is a challenge um going forward that i would fix is in south florida in particular we have um a saturated market in almost every market um and that includes subcontractors so (laughs) To find, <laughs> to find, um, to find trust, trustworthy, solid subcontractors, and anything you need, um, is a challenge. And when you do find someone you really like and you create a relationship with them, it is pivotal that you stick with them and you hold that good relationship because, um, it's a needle in a haystack. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're so shocked to hear you say finding quality contractors and so I know you never hear that, right? South Florida is a challenge. We're, we're really surprised by that, but you know, it, it it's you know, I think it's one of our you know our issues that a lot of our listeners are very concerned about is you know what are the transactional costs to start at these businesses? What are the pitfalls? You know, everyone's concerned about. Well, I'm always I'm interested in opening this restaurant. I'm opening you know this bar you know, even a food hall, you know, what are the, like the pitfalls that if you, if you had a chance to do it all over again, when you were starting out, you would definitely do this to avoid a significant issue. Can you elaborate for us? What would that be? 
Of course. So I think having a very strict structure is important going forward. Like I said, this has been a learning curve. This is our first one. And we had structure and we had organization to it, but only to the best of our knowledge that we could handle. Um, Now facing the things we have faced and going forward, we're going to make it much more structured. For example, um, we signed on our tenants when we still had pretty much a vanilla shell of the property. We had 100% occupancy and they wanted to design their units um, where they wanted their equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, some uh, someone who's cooking pasta doesn't need a, a fryer, for example. So we let them do that. Um, that created challenges in itself. There was extreme amount of editing and changing and, oh, I I ordered this, but now I actually want to go back and change this. And you're dealing with restaurant owners. They're not on the real estate side of things. They're not on the development side of things. They don't understand that now we need to go back to the engineer and the architect and change the plans and get a um, re-permitted and everything. So that was about a two-month ordeal, designing the units, getting things re-permitted, re-editing, and going back in there. Um, going forward, it's going to be extremely structured. Like, hey, here's option A, B, C, and D of unit designs. You get to pick one, and what it is, it is. If you need any specialty items, we can talk about it. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes really sense, because, you know, restaurant tours are like artists, you know, they kind of look at the creative and, and and sort of everything magical happens after that. But, you know, you're right, you know, dealing with, um, you know, changes to plans, permitting in general, you know, we understand is a real nightmare, you know, yes. especially post pandemic. So one little alteration of changing out kitchen equipment, you know, can have dramatic impact on the build out from the division of hotels and restaurants and their plan review approvals to, you know, to the, um, the permitting process from the local jurisdiction and you know it's the ripple effect and it could cost you i think a lot in in unexpected revenue that you you kind of have to spend in order to bring everybody in into compliance there so we could certainly see that um you know not to press the issue any other changes that you would have made other than to you know the strict compliance with your tenants as to their options that you can let our listeners know to say hey look whether it's in your lease negotiations with you know um either your landlord or with the purchase of the property the designs or or anything you might be able to to shed some light on of course so i suggest as anything i don't totally believe in leasing as a real estate owner and developer i think always purchase your property outright if you are going to go ahead and lease to people you don't want to be subleasing to them you want to hold ownership of that property and control of that property um secondly uh in terms of the permitting and everything i didn't realize how exact it is and i don't think a lot of people do it's to a point where if you change a microwave model, you need to change it on the plans. If you change, if you move a plug two inches, it needs to be on the plans. Um, that that was a learning curve. So go in with, hey, this is how it's going to be. Once you make your final decisions, that's it. Um, let's see what else. Another item is um Get close with your with your city if you can. Try to form good relationships with your city officials. It is a 
project where you're going to have a lot of um, inspections and a lot of attention from the community. Hopefully, if you're doing it correctly, uh, get on the good side of your city officials and and um, form a relationship with everyone around you. Also, one thing that we did, which I think is actually beneficial, is uh, we stressed so I'm sorry, let me, Pompano is actually an area where we have, um, it's a very local area. There's also a lot of tourists and a lot of seasonal people. Um, the way we marketed our building is for the locals, for the locals of Pompano, for the community of Pompano. Now that keyword local brings in the tourists because what tourists want to eat a place, it's for the tourists. All the tourists want to eat a place that's so for the locals. So um, very tight knit with your community. We're very involved. We do um, outreach work with them. We give back what we can. All of our vendors and work goes towards people in Pompano and if not in Pompano, in the close vicinity of South Florida. Um, and really stress that fact that it's for the community. It's for you guys. If if you disagree with something or see something we should change, we want to know. This is for you guys. This is for um, the bettering of Pompano. So, Nico, I know that your specialty is in real estate law, real property law. So do you have any advice you know, for our listeners you know, regarding the real estate aspects of getting involved in food halls? Yes. Um, well, I would say that uh, you know, specifically maybe with dealing with tenants and whatnot, um, you know, always, especially as a, as a landowner, uh, always having a proper lease in place with, uh, with your tenants is always uh, important. And I imagine dealing with, uh, um, you know, Jessica, I'm, I'm sure you've, uh, you've, you've figured out that maybe, uh, having leases for, for all these different spaces is, is maybe a little bit different than having a lease with, let's say, uh, you know, 10 individual, uh, stores. Um, but there, there's, so there's different considerations. So if you are going to do this at, um, obviously, to, to uh, you know, have a have, have a proper uh, proper lease, but also you know have good guidance, um, because there's as as you know we all know that the, if if you try to sometimes you 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 can use it can be done on your own, but uh, sometimes it's a little easier with a little bit of with a little bit of help. <laughs> and, and we always advocate a little bit of help. You know, there's there's no reason to go this alone. Yeah. You know, there are professionals. I would I would advocate highly for spiritus law you know to uh to, to assist with uh licensing permitting and real estate and leasing uh when when thinking about opening food halls but there's certainly a lot of qualified professionals out there yes. um, um, you know that can assist a very important aspect is have a good lease that covers you 100 that might be if not top priority top three um that is very important like I said, we're like our family with our tenants, but when you're signing on tenants, you don't know who they're going to who they're going to be at the end of the day. So, having a solid lease that protects you and protects your property is extremely important. It's it's almost like any any business relationship. I was just going to say it's like you know the best relationship is you you execute a contract or a lease and you never have to look at it. Right. You know, uh, but it's good to know that it's there protecting you in case you need it. Because yes. sometimes relationships don't go the way we want them to, and they tend to end badly. So having agreement is very important. Exactly. I think you would agree with that, sir. Absolutely. I, I definitely would. Um, now, you know, is 
what can you tell us some uh some some uh some of your licensing uh stories that uh you maybe you, you thought it was going to go one way and you you got to a point where you're like oh wow i didn't realize that this was going to be like this do you have do you have any any stories like that yeah so uh along with our liquor license actually um and this is just it's honestly a rookie mistake. Like I keep reiterating, I'm learning through all of this. Um, but we went ahead and started that for COP licensing. Um, I started along with the application, got through that whole application, finished everything, got my first signature. For your listeners who don't know, with this application, you need three signatures, one from the health department, one from zoning, and one from taxes. So I went ahead and I got my signature from the health department. I went to zoning and they told me, hey, what are you doing? You need your completion of occupancy. I had no idea. So I <laughs> I wasted a few days. It's okay. Um, but uh, we're going to go ahead and revisit that. And I'm well prepared for when I need to do it um, when we do receive that CFO. <laughs> very nice yeah there there are uh, obviously pitfalls with licensing and permitting and and sometimes it's trial by error uh you know in going forward but um you know it, it sounds like you know your food hall is going to be something fantastic you know mm -hmm. when everything's finished well, you know, it's very exciting but most importantly do you have a a, a target open date or, um, or general timeline we are looking at opening in the beginning of December, and this is still, there's still depending factors to it. Um, we're still in development stages, but we're looking beginning of, I'm sorry, I said December, I meant January. We're finishing up construction in beginning December. We're giving a month for our tenants to prepare their recipes, their employees and everything with opening and beginning of January. Um and that's if we get all of our final inspections good and everything of that sort sorted out. Um, but yeah, we're very excited. It's been a long time coming for us. Um, we've focused on everything we can focus on from design to social media to uh, marketing. Um, and we're ready. We're just waiting for our subcontractors to finish up. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Well, hopefully everything will go according to schedule. Yes, uh, you know, the story is old as time, right? Story is old as time. <laughs> as it is with everyone. It is definitely not for the faint of heart. No, that's great. That's great. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for agreeing to join us today. This has been a great podcast. And um, again, I'm Rob Lewis, my partner, Nico Romano, Nico Romano here at Spiritus Law, uh, signing off for the happy hour show. Everybody have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.